You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. It is a process. Because you, you understand if God gave us everything we wanted, we'd be a bunch of sport brats. If he gave us everything that we wanted when we weren't ready for it. Amen. You don't give your, um, you know, your 10-year-old a vehicle. Because they're, they're just not ready for it. So I think that's what, how God is with us. He doesn't give us everything we want or desire until we're ready for it. So sometimes that re- getting ready for things is a process. And uh, so we're going we're gonna to start this new series that will take us into some truth for life according to God's word. And I'm excited about God's word because if you just read over a story, there's so many things you miss. Right? You miss things that are very, very, very important. So this new series we're going to be talking about is God's Hippie. Well, y'all got quiet on that one, didn't you? Um, (laughs) We live in Oklahoma, so there's some hippie in this place, right? Should be, right? Amen. So so we're going to talk about a a man named Samson. In this series we're going to talk about for the next several Sundays is is um, Samson is a guy that was long-haired, unorthodox in every way. He was an embodiment of God's hippie. He, he, he stands. Everything he does is embodied in this, in, in this physique and everything. So, so he is, but Samson, Samson represents a struggle between ambition and anointing. So many times there's people that are anointed, but their ambition is bigger than their anointing. And if your ambition is bigger than your anointing, you're going to mess up. And you're going to have some of the same struggles that Samson had. And so he's got a struggle. If, If ever our life ambition is greater than our anointing, we will experience failure. When our anointing is greater than our ambition, we're going to thrive. And this is what I want to help us to do in this series is to thrive in God's presence and not go to some of the same things that Samson turned to, but that we will overcome them. Amen? Because there is so many things in life that is, that is and there's a struggle in, in this life between integrity and influence. A lot of people have influence but no integrity. And they long for influence because that means you have followers. And so many people fail in the, they, they thrive in influence, but they fail in integrity. Because they don't get a renewal in private, they fail in public. Because if you don't fight your private battles and kill your private bears and lions, you'll never kill a public giant. And this is where the people of God are beginning to fail is because our private lives haven't got victory that we show publicly. You understand what I'm saying? 
So therefore, we are failing in the public eye because, and we're losing influence because our integrity is lacking. And this is what I've asked God this last few weeks is, God, don't let us be seen. Don't let anybody know who we are until we get that integrity in full-fledged. I do not want him to be disappointed with my influence if my integrity is lacking. So there's some things that needs to be hidden until you get it right. Until you get it right. Come on. Wow. I wasn't even planning on going that, that far that soon. But the, this is a great story because if the leader of God's people, he was one of the strongest uh, human beings. He is officially, if you Google Stanley, he talks about Samson being the first Avenger. He's the uh, first Avenger with superpowers. because, And I don't believe Samson was the great big guy that he's pictured as. I believe he might have had little man syndrome. And this is what caused him, by his strength coming on him, is why he lived for that influence and that, 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 that thing that he desired to be was he knew his failure, he knew his flaws, but he lived in his strength, which was the anointing. But because he didn't culture his integrity, the anointing was poisonous to him. Amen? It made a failure out of him. Because he didn't go back and try to fix his intimacy with the throne room. So the man had great powers. Killed, uh, defeated the army with a, with a jawbone of a donkey. I mean, you know the stories. There, there's many of them. The man had hero powers. He, he had strength, actually supernatural strength. He was one of the strongest human beings to ever live, but one of the weakest leaders. He had, he, there, there, there is, uh, here is a dichotomy. He, had, he was strong and yet weak. And Paul tells us that in weakness we are made strong. We're not made weak. We're not made strong by our strength. We're made strong by our weakness. So that lets me know that there's some weakness in every one of us that needs to be structured, needs to be empowered, needs to be prayed about, needs to be overcome. Because if you recognize your weakness and you don't always feed your strong point but you feed that weak point and you say God here's what I need help with here's what I can't handle on my own here's what I can't deal with here's what the problem is that I don't know how to culture so you just got a little idea of what we're going to be talking about he failed God yet God never failed him anytime Samson needed him he was right on. I want us to see this. We don't have all things. We don't, we don't have the props. We don't have the secret sauce with Samson. We don't, we don't know exactly what made him tick. But we do know one thing that God's word, God makes a pact with his mom and dad because his mom couldn't give birth. God didn't show up to a fruitful family and say, I'm going to give y'all Samson. Because God likes to fill the empty. God likes to show up because it could have been, everybody could have said, well, his dad was, but his mom 
you know, whatever. And so here we go. But he was a part of this group, and they had been praying for the impossible. He was a part of this old little Nazarite group. He's a special elect of people in the Old Testament who couldn't cut their hair. This was, he was part of that club. John the Baptist was part of that club, right? There's several that are in the Bible that take in the Nazarite bow. And so, um, so anyway, they couldn't cut their hair. Samson doesn't cut his hair. He will have, because his hair, he will have the power of anointing. So one day Samson gets with this woman and chop, chop, chop. He, she, she has it cut off and he loses everything. He loses his home. He loses his health. He loses his, 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 his holiness. He loses his power. He loses his authority. He loses his finances. He loses his influence. Everything all in one day. Because why? He didn't protect his weakness. And this is where we have to understand that we have power and anointing. But Samson did everything to, to ordain his power, to make everything happen, yet he lost everything. But here comes the most redemptive verse in the Bible. And this is in Judges chapter 16 and verse 22. And here's what it said. How be it? The hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaven. The most redemptive verse in the Bible that whatever is of God will grow back. Mm. Did we get that? Whatever is of God will grow back. It might be cut off by the enemy. It don't matter because this is a redemptive verse that anything that is of God will grow back. That should put a smile on your face. I don't care what what life cut off from you. Guess what? It will come back. I don't care what the enemy's stolen from you. It will grow back. It will. It will. It will. Praise be to God. That everything of God will always go back. So I want us to get away, uh, back. Get get ready for the biggest comeback. Of, the, of our life today because there's some stuff getting ready to come back in your life that you thought had been cut off, that you thought the enemy had. The enemy keeps telling you it's stolen, it's never coming back. But guess what? God's saying right now that in 2022, there is some things getting ready to come back that the enemy couldn't stop. He can't make it not come back. He can't cut it off. He might have cut it off, but it's coming back. Somebody ought to give God a praise. The greatest comeback story in the Word of God. And God does truly remarkable things. And we begin in Judges chapter 13. And I want us to go there in verse uh, chapter 13 and verse 1. Judges chapter 13 and verse 1. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. Now, my first point is this. Forgetting what God did in your past will hold your future captive. Forgetting what God did in your past will hold your future captive. A lot of God rendered them over to the Philistines because they forgot what God did did to them. And I want to tell you right now, he's the same God back then as he is today. So many times we wind up in circumstances, it's because we forgot. Not every time, but sometimes 
we wind up in certain things because we forgot what God did for us in the past. They forgot how God freed them from slavery in Egypt, how he made a way where there was no way, how we provided for them in the desert, how we brought down the enemies, how we brought down the Egyptians in the Red Sea. They forgot all about all of that because it had been a generation or two. It had been a month or two. It had been a year or two. It had been a few years. And they forgot what God did in the past. And and here comes the future is captive. Well, God, I thought we were your children. I thought, I thought that's what you get for thinking. Because you didn't understand that you forgot to be thankful for what you had. And this is the problem with the church today is we have lost thankfulness. Come on, we ain't thankful for our brother. We're not thankful for our parents. We're not thankful for our children. We're not thankful for our church. We're not thankful for what God's doing in our church. We always got to complain. We sit down in the restaurant and we see, we poke around on the food just to see if there's something we can complain about. You you understand what I'm saying? Well, if there's something I can, yeah, yeah, they didn't bring that. Hey, 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 hey. When all the time you are ruining your testimony when you should be telling them, hey, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares about. Come on, stop being so cantankerous. Oh, mm, I got to quit. So, so here is the God is, God is right here. He's in our life. He's with us. He cares about us. He's doing all these wonderful things. He's still bringing down walls in front of us. And yet we are so unthankful that we forget what he did in the past. And now we're captivated with our future. Come on. They couldn't go anywhere. Philistines are taking them over. On them. On them. And God says, I haven't forgot who I was with you because he's still calling us into his holy presence. The enemy's objective is to make you forget what God did for you. Come on, you, you, you can see everything in the world when you open up Facebook. The enemy's objective. I'm not talking about the Facebook is the enemy. I'm talking about the enemy's objective is for you to see something that's going to cause you to forget what God just placed in your heart. What God just did for you. What God just said to you. The words that he gave you. All of a sudden you see things that causes you to forget what God did. So, we look for things. Especially when we pray for things. And things don't come to fruition when we believe it ought to. We forget real easy. Well, God, I thought you. I really thought you. I really thought you loved us. Lord, did you see that church filled with people praying? Did you see that, Lord? That I guess you didn't. Come on, it's it's just that's just the way we are. So the type of people, we are the type of people that Peter calls a peculiar people, a weird people, a strange people, because we praise him when we're bearing loved ones. Who sees rattle at a funeral? I'm telling them people that believes and knows who their God is. That says, 
I don't care what the enemy's got laying out here. I know whom I believed in. And I am here to have service in the presence of my enemies. I'm on a shelf because I know he's worthy. Some crazy bunch bearing their son singing, huh? Let me tell you about the goodness of God. Who can do that? I'll tell you who. A peculiar people. A crazy people. A weird people. Because that's who we are. So that's why he calls us peculiar. I never will forget back in 96 when my grandpa passed away. And he had a heart attack for suddenly. He was, and we believed in divine healing, still do. But he was at Western Sizzle when the thing hit him and getting, and all of our family was eating there together. And he said, slipped up to my aunt and he said, I'm, I never have one of them potato bars. I'm getting me one tonight. And he was helping himself at the bar when the thing hit him. He went out to the car and laid in the car. He said, I'll bring my potato. I'll eat it later. He went to the car. And by the time my grandmother got back out to the car, he was dying. They headed to the house because that's where he wanted to go. And they headed to the house. And when all of our family came into the room, we began to pray. We began to fall on our face. We began to say, God, we're, we're expecting you. He was 85 years old. He just plowed my garden that day with his tractor. I mean, he was, he was a man that was... It put me to shame on work, I guarantee you. But that morning, that evening when he passed away, the Holy Ghost hit that room. People began to speak with other tongues. There was a message in tongues interpretation given. We didn't even know he was dead for about 10 minutes. Because the power of God was so strong in that place. And then they realized, wow, while we were, while we were having a move of God, he just slipped right on out. I never will forget that three days later at the funeral, the kids all gathered around to his casket, and we were gonna we were supposed to do the singing. All the grandkids. And we gathered around his casket and we we were all in tears and roared there again. The Holy Ghost hit us all. Power of God hit that room. And I mean it was like the casket just electrified, and there's kids went everywhere. They were all over the floor. The power of God on them. And they said this will be a funeral we will never forget. We went there in the first song. The Holy Ghost hit the house. It was packed out. Over 400 people they said there. Some standing outside because they couldn't get in. The Holy Ghost hit that building. When, when we ended the service, it ended with an altar call. Of one of my of cousin's girlfriend come up and got saved, rededicated her life to God. I mean, people doing, I mean, it was weird. My aunt was shouting in front of the, the, the casket, just under the power of God. People be, just crying all over the sanctuary. And one of our neighbors came up to me. He said, y'all have put a face on death that I have never seen before. And I said, but it wasn't us. It was God. He said, but I will never forget this one. What I'm, what I'm saying is the enemy wants just because you're going through something. To turn that into an aggravation and a frustration and a forgetfulness. 
of what God's done. Oh, I, did, I thought I'd get past the first verse. Wow. So because you remembered, you got to remember how he favored you. you got to remember how he blessed you, how he brought you out of that horrible pit. And to this morning, if I can get one thing for you, please don't forget what God has done for you. The old timers used to sing this, Jesus, I'll never forget. Huh? What you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Jesus, I'll never forget how you, somebody help me out, brought me out. There it is. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, never. Why? Because there's some things that the enemy wants you to forget. That's when you lift up your hands and you shout to God with a voice of triumph. It's not because you're religious, but it's because you know how he brought you out. You know you couldn't have done it. Had it not been, had it not been for the grace of God, you can't forget what he done for you. Forgetting what he did in your past will tighten up your future. Never forget what God did in your past. 77, Psalm 77, verse 11. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. Come on, some of us need to remember the old days. You need to remember something besides all your rowdy friends coming over. Come on. You need to remember something besides the pit and where you were dug. You need to remember how we brought you up out of that pit. I will remember the works. Never forget what God did in your past because he will, you will come to that eternal truth. If you remember what he did before and if you remember what he did in the past, you will overcome in the future because your past hurts. It's what and how he delivered you is how you're going to get delivered every time you come against the enemy. Come on, we must believe. You must believe, people, with all your life, all the love of your life will be saved. They will, the kids that you're praying for will be delivered because he did it before, he'll do it again. So this morning, as we end this service, man, I can't believe I ended on first one. But now you know what the series is about. We can go on and we can move into verse two and three next week. Because you understand God is attractive. That's what we're going to deal with next. To impossible circumstances. God is attractive to impossible circumstances. So we're headed there. So guess what? You might be hurting right now about your impossibility. But let me tell you, God is attractive to impossible circumstances. People don't have impossible circumstances don't need God. If I don't have cancer, I don't need a healer. If I'm not sick, I don't need anybody to heal me. But if I'm suffering, I need him attracted to me. If I'm poor in spirit, I need him attracted to me. If I'm empty, I need him attracted to me. And let me tell you, 
he, God is attracted to impossible circumstances. I want to stand all over this building. Because there are things that God wants to do in our lives in the next few months and weeks that I promise you is going to blow your mind. There's a couple things that I got from the Lord that I'm not allowed to share at this point. But church, we are in for something unbelievable. What God is about to do inside these four walls is about to blow the windows out of this place. And when it happens, oh, people are going to come running from every direction. But he's not bringing it until we get our integrity dealt with. I'm talking about pastor. And this is why we're dealing with these issues is because God's saying, don't forget what I did in the past. I'm still going to do it. But sometimes we give up on the process because it's longer than what we thought. Come on, I've had words given to me that are 20 years ago that are just now coming to pass. There's a, there's a gentleman gave my wife and I a prophecy Back, he, he passed away right there in his home. I mean, passed away. They called me and said he's lifeless. I'd preach several revivals for him. He called, they called and said, Pastor, will you come, or preacher, will you come and pray? So he's, he's, there's no pulse, there's nothing. I got there and the man was lifeless. The power of God came upon the minute I walked in the door. It wasn't me. It was the word that he had inside of him to tell me. And it woke him up out of death. He grabbed the hold of my hand, and he began to tell me and prophesy to me. And I haven't heard, thought of that prophecy in years until my mentor called me this week and gave me the same word. And I was like, Whoa, I've heard that before. It's been 20, almost 30 years ago when he gave me that word. And then somebody calls and gives me a confirmation of the same word I got. Th- Come on, y'all, don't tell me. You know what God is saying? Don't forget. Don't let what you're dealing with throw you into kinks. Because right now you're dealing with stuff that could throw you into captivity. But don't let it because I forgot what I've said to you. So this morning, I want to tell you again. God has not forgot what he promised you. Neither should you. Come on, if you had to get up and take, as Pastor Josh said a little bit ago, if you had to get up and you should, get up and take communion every morning. Just so you get reminded how much he loves you. Because he misses you. Come on, I never got that before, that he missed the disciples. That's the reason he wanted a connection with them. Wow. That's so simple. Why didn't I thought, 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 thought of that? But it was powerful, was it not? You won't think communion again. I guarantee you won't think of it like when you do it again, you're going to think, oh, you're missing me. And I'm missing you, Lord. I want you in me. So this morning, I want you to just reach up where you are. Lord, I thank you for your holy presence in this house. I thank you for the holy anointing that is in this house right now. And God, may we never forget what you've done in our past. 
what you've said in our past, what you've brought to us in our past, Lord, bring it up again. Help us remember. Help us remember. One of the, one of the phrases that Pastor Josh used has not left me ever since I heard this word. And it's this. Worship cannot bring intimacy, but intimacy brings worship. Oh, that has bit me all week. Because I think worship ought to bring me into intimacy. But no, intimacy brings worship. And so I'm up here trying to get more intimate, and I'm worshiping him, and he's saying, listen to me. I just want to hang out with you. You don't have to be talking the whole time. You don't have to be mouthing me. You don't have to be giving me what for. Just sit down and hang out. And it got me. So this week, I've been doing a lot of silence. Come on, just hanging out with him. Because <laughs> that I may know him. That I may know him. One of the guys that wrote a book. I read it a few years ago. He said this. Jesus is a quiet man. So he likes to hang out with quiet people. So it it kind of got on me because I'm loud. And so sometimes I'm a little overwhelming to him. I, <laughs> So I had to settle down and I had to become out of character for a minute and say, okay, God, uh, I want to hang out with you. Would you come hang out with this loud boy? I, I promise I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to listen to what you're saying. I mean, that's all he wants is for us to listen. Come on, we get so talking out. Come on, we're so used to speaking our mind. We can't even join in on the conversation because we got to have priority. Oh, y'all, maybe nobody's like that but me. But the Lord's been teaching me. It's all about integrity, Pastor. Preacher, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit in my presence. And I want you, I want to enjoy being with you. Just hanging out with you. You don't have to talk. You don't have to speak. You don't have to be nobody. You don't have to be nothing. Just hang out with me. Come on, we get to this place where we think we got to have it all together. We think we got to have it all together before he'll pay us any attention. We got to have all this wisdom and we got to pass all this knowledge and we got to have a word and we got to do this. And all he's wanting to do is say, but I just want you to hang out with me and just listen. Because if you listen, he'll start talking. As long as you're doing the talking, he ain't going to say nothing. He's going to let you talk. He likes to hang out with you. Even if you are talking all the time. I believe he does. But you know what? I want to hear what he knows. I want to hear what he's thinking. Because my thoughts are not his thoughts. My ways are not his ways. As he is, his ways is so much higher than my ways. And I got it figured out. And I'm saying, God, why didn't you do it like that? This is what you told me. You told me you was going to do this. Why is it not working? And he's saying, just listen. 
I'm going to teach you. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord. The church has a problem with waiting. We get nervous when it gets quiet and nobody's doing nothing. Come on. But sometimes that's what happens before the power of God sweeps through the place. I remember when I was a kid, we just sat for 30, 45 minutes, nobody saying nothing. Everybody just quietly in the altar. And all of a sudden, somebody, the spirit of laughter hit somebody. And it would reverberate through the whole building. People would come out of the back and say, God just dealt with me to get saved. And they get saved. People get healed. People get delivered. All because people waited. But we're so impatient in these days and hours that we got to have something to entertain us. we got to have something to motivate us. we got to have a speaker to prompt us. Come on. I'm tired of being a prime minister. Pump and prime people. So they move. I'm tired of that. Saying, Holy Spirit, I just want you to help us. Come on, reach out to him right now. Reach out where you're at. I know it's after 12, but lunch is in the back, so you're not going to have to worry about your roast burning. Because there's somebody dealing with it right now. So, Lord, I pray, God, that your anointing would sweep over this place. There are people in this building that needs a touch. There's people that need healing. There's people that need deliverance. There's people that need motivation. There's people that need encouragement. There's people that need strength in this house right now. God, I pray that the Holy Ghost of heaven will sweep through this place from the front to the back, from side to side, from the top to the bottom. And God, give them exactly what they need. Holy Ghost, sweep through us right now. Come on, come on, come on. Just let him have his way right now. Just sit in his presence a minute. Hallelujah, hallelujah.